So this morning, it's good to see everybody. <clears throat> this morning, the title of my sermon is called King's Heart. And where I got it, I was watching a Christian video, and it was uh, a movie about a young guy, and he was a football player. Let me get his name right. His Louis Bellantoni, that was his dad, and his son was Joey. And it's based on a true story. And what happened was Joey is one of the smallest linemen in his high school, and he was getting ready for a championship game. And so as he was getting ready, his dad was kind of working out with him, and he was telling him, hey, you need to squat down and hit the linemen low because if you stand up to, to look at them eye to eye, they have more strength than you. But if you lower yourself, then they have to lower themselves, and you catch them off guard and off balance. And so he was talking to him how to play and stuff like that and getting them ready, pumped up for the championship game, and then the dad dies right before the championship game. And this was just a, a time and an opportunity for him to either throw in the towel or to rise up in victory. And so his grandma, which I think was a dad's uh, mother, was saying, no, we can't celebrate now. You know, your dad's dead. We need to be in mourning. And then the mother and the two other brothers, they were kind of in their own little thing, their own little world. And so his uncle came and started talking to him and started telling him because they would call the dad king. So they would, he said, you know what, you have king's heart. And he was saying, you know, when, when you and my, uh, when your father and myself were in high school, and I, the uncle was kind of big. He said, you know, I just kind of took it for granted because I'm big. I didn't have to work as hard. But your dad had to work very hard because I think he was kind of lanky. So your dad had to work very hard, twice as hard as myself. But he made the team, and I didn't make the team because your dad had heart. He said, and you know what? You have that same heart that your dad has. And so you can rise up in this situation. And so I started just thinking about just this sermon. And Pastor Jeff had asked me a couple months ago, and we're going to talk about the life of Josiah. And it's when Josiah, the book got opened to him, and he realized that uh, there's some things that were off. And so as they opened the book, King Josiah had to do something about it. And I started thinking about the people of Agape because, as you know, I've been here for years. And some of you that have been around, you know, before we put in these carpets, before we even started putting in the offices, we rode on all the cement, promises that we were standing for. And, you know, we were just people of faith, right? But I wonder if we uncovered the carpet and started pulling things, if we're still standing on those promises. Because, see, life situations come and they happen. And it's not like we thought it was. You know, I know some old timers like Solid Dad, you know, we used to talk and just walking in faith and reaching out and stuff. But I bet you those years we would never think that we were in the place we are today. We would never think all those things that would come about us and that life would has changed so much for us. And yet it has changed. But let me ask you, you know what, if we were to uncover these, are we still willing to stand on those promises? Because God's word never changes. Amen. He still, if he gives us a promise, he's given us a promise. Those are things that we need to stand. And it's us, the ones when circumstances come uh, against us, that we start laying those things down. And so tonight, today, I want to talk about that. And so let's just pray. Father, I thank you just for this morning, Lord God. I thank you for myself as well as these people, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, over the body of Christ, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our eyes. I pray, Lord God, over our hearts, Lord God. I pray that the things that have, have been buried in our hearts, the dreams, Lord God, the vision, the promises, Father God, I pray today that there would be a revealing, Lord God, where we've got off kilter, Lord God, where we've, through circumstances, Lord God, given up on those promises, Father God. I pray today, Lord God, that you would quicken us by the Spirit, Father God. I pray that you'd open our eyes, Lord God, to see 
Father God, that you still have things that you call on us to do, Lord God. And so, Father, I pray, Lord God, just for clarity. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit would speak, Lord God, directly, individually, and corporately, Father God. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And so if you want to turn with me to 2 Chronicles 33, 21 through 22, we're going to start there. It says this, 2 Chronicles 33, 21 through 22, it says, Ammon Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and his father Manasseh had done, as his father Manasseh had done. For Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father, wait a minute, hold on, I skipped it. For Ammon sacrificed all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. So here there's two things in Josiah's family. was a grandfather who was Manasseh. And earlier in the scriptures it says the Lord spoke to him and his people, but they would not listen. But then after when he got held captive and he was afflicted, then he implored in the Lord. In other words, he humbled himself and he decided he was going to change and go back to the Lord. And he cried upon, he called upon the Lord. But his father was another person. So his father Ammon, he was killed in two years because his own people killed him. Because he just kept being evil. He was more evil and evil and kept trespassing and trespassing. And sometimes we can have an excuse that, you know what, um, it's the family that I came from. And you're right. You know what? We have no choices about whose family we're born into. But at the same time, we have a choice after that when we get born again. Because when we're born into the kingdom of God, we have a choice. Amen? So sometimes we want our past to hold us. And believe me, I have a past of my own. We want the, the past to hold us down. And we want to keep going back to the past and making excuses. But you know what? God says when God comes on the scene, there's no more past. So he's put us into a new family, and so we have no excuses. And we're going to see how Josiah moved on in spite of his grandfather, in spite of his father, he moved on. Amen? And so the first level I want to talk to you about is checking yourself. In verse 1 and 2 out of 2 Chronicles 34, it says this, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did was was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So how many of you know we can be living right, but are we affecting people? Because here Josiah, Josiah was living right. It said he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But are we affecting people? Because sometimes we could get in the habit of just saying, okay, well, this is my little prayer group. This is my little circle. We're okay. You're okay. But, you know, what about other people? Are we bringing people into our circle? And sometimes even in the church, we get these walls, and we don't go outside the walls. As you know, I was on staff for 32 years. Part of my heart was just outreach. And so we would just, we would reach out to the sheriff's department. We'd reach out to, we'd go to mission trips. We'd reach out to, with Pastor Blinda, we would do all these children's things because we had to get outside the church. Because it's not just affecting the church, but we've got to reach outside the church. Amen? So are we, effect, are we affecting the people around us? I'm asking you and I'm asking me. Because, see, we come in here and we get filled up, but are we going out and affecting the world? So Jesus, he routinely crossed the barriers, right? They're always trying to box him in. Peter was saying, hey, build this, build this for Elijah and build this for you and build this for, I think, uh, Moses. He was always trying to box things up. 
And everybody is already saying, why are you going over there? And why are you going over there? Jesus never let people box him in. Amen? He was always reaching out to people. And I believe God's putting that same thing inside of us because we're in serious times. There's things, you know, the things that God has put in your heart, they're attached to the kingdom. Sometimes we think they're our own dreams, our own ideas, but, you know, somehow they're attached to the kingdom of God. Amen? Because God is interested in people. So I believe that it's a season when God has taken us from glory to glory. So here was Josiah. He was doing right in the sight of the Lord. But you know what? God was going to take him to another level. He's getting to change his world in another uh, dimension. And so going from glory to glory is to continually be changed in what we were created to be. It is to be conformed in his likeness. It is increasing in the character and the nature of God. In other words, God has taken us from strength to strength. If you're a person that goes to the gym and you're just lifting 100 pounds and you've lifted them for the last 10 years, something might be wrong. It's the same thing. We need to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. I remember I was in a conference one time in L.A. and Marianne Brown was speaking and she had spoken. I don't know if it was that session, but another session she was speaking about uh, going from glory to glory. She was a strength to strength. She said, we're going from strength to strength, from trial to trial. And there was one particular time there was a platform like this, and it went way back. It was in, uh, in Los Angeles, and it was way back there, and we were way back there. And all of a sudden, you just heard this boom, boom, boom. And it was a microphone that was hitting the ground because she had fallen off the stairs. And so at that time, she had two choices. She could have laid there, and just because she was older, I'm sure it hurt. And she was older, and I'm sure she could have had half the women come and just minister to her and say, you know, are you okay, and, and all that, and cuddle her. But you know what? She got back up, and when she came back up, because she was from Texas, I mean, she was like a Brahma bull when she got back up. I mean, the fire of God just came out of her even greater, you know? And so she almost demonstrated what she was about. And sometimes it's the same thing for us. Are we going to go from glory to glory? Are we going to go from strength to strength? Are we going to go from trial to trial? Are we going to let that just level us? Because believe me, we've all, we all have stories. Amen? We all have things that we thought 10 years ago would never happen, but yet they happen. And you know what? Are we still going on? As I've did in the last year or so, I've did some funerals, and I've told them, hey, you know what? Our, our race isn't done yet. We need to keep running. Yeah, we lost some people in our family, but you know what? You just got to keep running. You just got to keep moving forward. Until we're dead, we got to move forward. Amen? So this is what I was thinking about when it, you know, and actually I was looking this up and it was called a spirit level, which is very interesting. So most carpenters and construction people, they use it so that the bubble's in the middle and they can measure on the walls to see if everything's crook, everything is straight. But, you know, sometimes God tilts it a little bit because you know what? He wants us to come up to the next level. Amen. But sometimes we like it just to stay just like this. Like we look at this platform and it's nice and stuff. And even the praise and worship, it's nice and stuff. But what if God was going to take you, Jared, and the other praise and worship leaders to, to another level? Would you be willing? Or would you just say, nope, you know what? This is all professional. It looks nice. It's clean. This is kind of thing I like because it's just clean. It's not cluttery, you know? And so you're looking at this, you're saying, man, this is perfect. Jared got excellent voice. His team could sing songs, you know, they're on key. But you know what? What if God wants to take you? Where are you, Jared? Because what if God wants to take you to another level? Are you willing to do that? Because it's not going to be perfect when God starts tilt tilting the, the level. 
It's not going to be perfect. And you know what? It's not going to be popular either. But yet, you know what? God does it for his glory because you know what? We keep ascending, right? Because there's people that are dying and going to hell. There's a real, real world out there. And the world does not have the answers. We do. It's a God inside us that has the answers. But sometimes we just want to know, just keep me level, man. Just keep me level. Leave me alone. You know, I plateaued. I'm good. And I'm talking to some of you people that are 60 years old and older because I'm 60-something. And so sometimes you think, okay, no, I'm retired. I'm collecting my, you know, let all the young people do it. Who's training the young people? Who's training the young people? Because God has put so much wisdom inside of us because of our, our mistakes. Believe me, we've made a lot of mistakes. If you have gray hair, you've made a lot of mistakes, right? But how, don't you think it's worth it to save a young person's life? I wish I would have had pastors speak it in my, to my life when I was in my 20s. I really wish I would have. Because, see, you know, even Cal Poly students and Cuesta students, you, get, you come over here and you're free. It's kind of like, oh, my parents are two hours away, five hours away, and you're thinking, I'm free. I could do whatever I want. I don't have that conscious of, you know, my mom's watching. She's going to find out. You know, I did the same thing when I went in the military. But you know what it cost me? Because I did some things, and I tapped into some things of the, in the enemy's camp, and they became strongholds in my life. And it took years for me to get delivered from that. And so, young people, it's not worth it. You know, sometimes you think, man, my parents just keep nagging me. They're whatever. But you know what? Your parents are a safeguard. Your parents are like those bumper cars. You know, like you're the bumper car, and they're the bumper things around, the pads. So when you bump into them, nope, go that way. Nope, go that way. Amen? So people that are 16 older, don't, don't throw in the towel. It's not time. I know even some of you grand people, grandparents that are thinking, Oh, I'll just enjoy my grandkids. And sometimes the sad part is that grandparents are raising grandchildren. But you know what? Seniors, we need your help. 2 Corinthians 3.18 out of the King James Version says, But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. That word open face, open means, in the Greek, it, were, it means that to unveil, to uncover, or to disclose. However, the Greek tense doesn't refer to a one-time unveiling, but, a, but to the veil, once lifted, remain, unlip, remain lifted forever. So it's almost like, you know, once God opens up something in our, in our hearts, once God opens up something and says, wow, uh, opens up a piece of truth, we're supposed to deal with that. And that's my prayer for today. If you remember anything, that God would unveil something in your heart that may be a promise that you, you know you've gotten away from, a, a dream that you know that you've just kind of thrown in the towel. I'm, I'm believing today that when God unveils that, that you don't cover it up again. Amen? Because we can so easily do that. We can walk out there and then just forget about what we even uh, were spoken to. Amen? <clears throat> So we need to make a, a sincere decision that we want to When he was talking about, so Rick Joyner, I was reading some of his uh, stuff online, and when he was talking about glory to glory, it says this. These are some of the questions that he asked himself. He says, am I doing everything that, I'm, that the Lord has told me to do right now? And when I'm not, I'm saying just, you know, like, are we doing it with a, a spirit of excellence? Are we doing it that we know that we're satisfied with that and God would be satisfied? 
Are we doing it because it would glorify God? Because sometimes in the church, sometimes in the Christian world, we think, ah, God will understand, and we kind of cut corners. Why do we cut corners in the church, but we don't cut corners out in, the, in our other jobs? You know what? God, God, I believe God wants excellence, and God has made us people of excellence. And so there's things that, you know, so here Rick Jordan, he's saying, you know, once I've, I've perfected this platform, this level, but he knows that, you know what, God's going to take him to another level. How many want to go to another level? <clears throat> so we can, we can be satisfied. We can just plateau or we can start moving on. I was reading a book on Smith Wigglesworth. He was saying about how we should be a flame of fire. You know, when, when things get in the, in the fire of God, it changes. Amen. I mean, these are old time people that just prayed and read. And he was a man that he wasn't even a, a schooled man, a learned man. He was a man that I believe he couldn't even read before he read the Bible. And yet, you know what? When when the, when he came on the scene, the presence of God was there because he carried the fire of God. And so how much more when we go into our places, and when we walk around different situations, if we carry the presence of God, how things could change. Amen. I mean, I'm thinking just about for myself, I go into Prado, and so I go there five days a week. I work there full time, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are dealing with mental illness. There's a lot of people that are dealing with substance abuse, and it's such a rat race because what happens is sometimes they, they struggle met with mental illness, and then they don't want to take their medication, and then they want to use substance abuse to substance, you know, to deal with it because they can't deal with these spirits. They can't deal with the torment. And so how much more, like, when we're so full of God, we just walk into a place and there just has to be peace. Amen? I don't know about you, but those are the days that I, I want. I want to be full of God. I want to have an impact. I'm looking at Soledad. When you're going into Atascadero State, there's places that God is sending us, and we have to go in with the presence of God. Amen? We have to go in with not just ourselves, but we have to go in with God. About a month ago, I was just thinking about um, San Luis Obispo, and I've grown up here. I've, you know, I wasn't born here. I was born in Hawaii because my dad was in the military, but I've been here over 50 years. And sometimes you think about slow town, and you think, oh, how beautiful. You know, the, the vineyards are just prospering. There's mountains that are pretty. You go over here, there's beaches. You go, there's lakes all around us. You think about even downtown, we have a lot of the modern stores now. They're building a brand-new hotel. But don't let that fool you because there's still things that are going on in San Luis Obispo. You know, as I was sharing, I go to the shelter and I work there, and so I, I can't have a Pollyanna mind, because I go there every day, and if not, I'm in a communication with them, and every day you're facing these people that have no hope. Every day you're facing these people that are just tormenting their minds. Sometimes you watch them, and they're having other conversations. There's no one there. And so you think about, you know, the world does not have the answers. Every Wednesday, I go to CMC, and you go over to, to over the hill, and then you go into CMC, you go through six gates, and it's like a whole different world. And you go and you minister to young, young men that, you know, they're like my nephews because I have many nephews. And so I think about them as my nephews, and I think, you know what, they've ruined their lives. A lot of them are in there for life, and yet someone has to believe in them. And sometimes they wonder, why are you here? I mean, what's your motive? I mean, you're not related to anybody. No, I'm not. But you know what? You have a, God puts a heart of his people in your heart. God gives you a heart for people. Amen? 
And who's going to reach them? What were we called to do? Amen? You have even some of the, the Cal Poly students. They're, they're coming in here. Who's going to influence them if it's not going to be God? Level number two. It's pretty quiet in here. <laughs> Adjust yourself. In verse three, it says this. In the eighth year of his reign, this is Josiah, while he was still young, he began to seek, God, seek the God of the father the God of his father, David. And the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. So it says he began to seek. And there's another word for that in Hebrew. It's derash, to resort, to seek, to seek with care, to inquire, to require. And it's almost like in the natural, how we get in the natural, we're hungry. In the natural, we're thirsty. That means that we need food, we need water. And it's the same thing spiritually. So in the natural, you know, if we're hungry, we can, I could come and eat a Snicker bar, and that'll satisfy me for a little bit. You know, it's junk food. It's the same thing in the spirit. Sometimes in the spirit, God will make us hungry, and he'll make us thirsty for him, and yet we add all these different things. We, we, place, we replace it with this, and we replace it with that, and it only satisfies us for a season because God will continually just to make us hungry for him. In the season, we, not, we need to be hungry for him. Amen. And we might need to make adjustments because there's other things that are filling those spots that he's supposed to be filled. The other thing it said what Josiah did was he said he began to purge. That's another word It's called to her in Hebrew, and it's to be clean, to be pure. So if you're a Christian and if you're walking with God, there's going to be a purging process. And it's not going to be fun all the time. It says in the purging process, everything that's not like Christ must be removed peeled back from your life so that you can grow and mature spiritually. The process of purging is real. It's to detach you from one level to move you to the next. So there's things that maybe God's trying to remove from us because he wants us to move to the, ne the next level. God always has our best interests at heart. Amen? He always has a plan for us. But we got to want that. And so if you feel like, gosh, you're not, you know, you, you I feel like you're, I'm not, this isn't fun for me anymore. It's almost like God's pulling it away from me. Just know that, you know what, he's trying to get you to the next level. That's a good thing. Amen? The third level is extend yourself. In verse 8, it says this. In the 18th year of his reign, so now it's 18 plus 8, he's 20-something. When he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan. So these are all the people that were kind of influences. They were kind of his mentors and tutors, people, that his officials. Shaphan, the son of Azaliah. Maaseah, the governor of the city, and, the, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord. So he's doing a good thing. So not only did he, did he purge and did he seek the Lord, but now he's getting ready to build the temple. He's getting ready to make it look nice again. And so the Levites had the money, and, and the people were getting ready to build it. They were faithful. They were making it happen. Let me ask you. You know, yes, there is a, there is a, a natural house. There's a church house. But what about the people? Because we are the church, you guys. Are we building the church? Are we building people? Because, see, people matter to the Lord. The church matters, yes. But you know what? Without this church building, without people, there's no church. And so what about people? Are we investing in people? Are we building people around us? Or are we just saying, you know, that's just how they are? No, they don't have to be that way. Amen? 
Because, see, we can go with God's presence and we can make a change and a difference in our life. So what, what God was calling them to do was to build this, build this temple, build this natural temple. But there's also things that God's calling us to build in his kingdom that are attached to the kingdom of God. So God is putting dreams and visions in our life because they're attached to the kingdom of God. And so we got to realize, God, what, what are you wanting me to do? What are you calling me to do? And sometimes, you know what, we got to seek and we got to wait and we got to knock. Sometimes it takes time. Amen. In Luke 2, 49, and this was Jesus. He was just about his father's business. It said, he said to them, why do you seek me? Do you not know that I, I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he had spoke to them. And this was a situation, remember, he was only 12 years old. And they had went to the Passover and they had left. And his, his mom and dad were, they were probably like in a caravan. And they had left and they realized that, wow, Jesus is not with us. And so now they're looking around. They can't find him. So now they got to backtrack. So they backtrack and they go back to where it was in Jerusalem. And they're looking and there's Jesus with all these people just teaching. And I'm sure Mary pondered those things in her heart, but at the same time, Mary was upset. I mean, how many, how many mothers would be upset with all of a sudden you found out your child's not even with you? And, you know, Joseph, Joseph probably didn't know what to say because Joseph just probably was quiet because, you know, the mother was probably just going off. And so Mary was just a natural woman. You know, she was a natural mother. So she goes and she asks Jesus, you know, what are you doing? And he says, hey, didn't you not know I'm, I'm about my father's business? Right. And so it wasn't didn't even dawn on him. And yet, you know what? It was a real thing. And so when you start stepping out, when God starts revealing things and saying, hey, I need you to do this. You got to know, number one, is that he has to call you to do it. And if he calls you, you got to know that even people close as you are not always going to understand. But you do it anyways. Right. And then you got to know that he's going to back you up. So when he starts tipping the level and they're like, wow, you're getting kind of weird on me now. Well, you know what? God has a plan. And I'm saying, you know, you could still get wisdom, right? You can still have wise counsel. I'm not just saying go out there and God tell me to do this. You know, I'm not saying that. Believe me, I'm a person that, you know, things got to make sense to me. I could discern things, right? So we're supposed to discern things. But at the same time, we can't get stuck either. Because sometimes we go from one end to the other. So, you know what? We're like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. That's, that stuff's all weirded out and stuff. But then we go to the other thing is that then we don't want any kind of counsel. So sometimes we can't be, as Kenneth Hagin used to say, we can't be on one side of the ditch or the other. Amen? we got to stay right in the middle of the road. But I think God's trying to tip the scales sometimes. And I, I'm thinking about this because in the beginning when Pastor Jeff asked me, I was thinking about Josiah and when he opened the book. And I feel like, you know, sometimes people, um, they just need some, someone to agree with them. They need someone to speak into their life. And I believe in prophetic prayer. You know, I, as I told Pastor Jeff, I'm not one that you just put a quarter in me and I'm going to give you a prophetic word. That's not what I believe in. Amen. But what I do believe in is if you come up and, and there's people in here that want to pray for you, if you come up and people want to pray for you, I believe the prophetic could flow through them. And that, to me, that's how I like it. That's kind of what I feel safe with. You know, can I do the other thing? I don't know. But at the same time, you know what I feel like? Sometimes people need to be unlocked. I feel like there's been some hearts that have been locked. There's some people that have been that have just kind of just said, you know, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but I believe things could happen, especially especially through the prophecy, especially through prophetic prayer. 
And the fourth point is abandon. And so we need to abandon ourselves. And you're going to see we're Josiah. Abandon means to give up completely. It's a course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. So in Psalm 10, 14, it was one of the scriptures where the people were desperate. The wickedness was just, uh, just uh, going, going around, and it was just really hurting the people, especially the poor people, and there was no hope, kind of like the, the Egyptians when they were going after God's people, and the Egyptians were behind them, and then the, the body of water was in front of them. There was no hope. God, if you don't show up, we're dead. And so that's kind of the situation, but it says this. But you have seen and you observed trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helpless of the fatherless. So that word commit, it means to literally abandon, abandon yourself. So the idea of this is, 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 the idea is that these people are in such a desperate, desperate straits that they come to the end of themselves. And let me ask you, have you came to the end of yourself? Because sometimes I'm telling you, you know, I... Sometimes we can rely on our own gifts and our own talents. Amen? But, some, but, you know, God, do you know that God could take those gifts away? I mean, I feel like even for myself, I mean, I have gifts. I'm administration-wise, I'm very organized. But sometimes there's things where I can't get comfortable in that. When I left the church, you know, I, I was kind of burnt. I was tired of doing the same thing. I was always kind of like those birds that always want to get out you know, and so finally I got to get out, you know, and I got to be amongst the people, so now I've been in amongst the people almost seven years, and now it's kind of like, God, you know, it's, is this, this enough time now, you know, because now it's, it's kind of rough out there sometimes, and I was sharing in first service, you know, the first time when, when I was working around the shelter people, and I was working around some older ladies, and I mean, they were just throwing the F-bomb, and I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that was so unusual to me, because, you know, I was used to being in these four doors, these four walls, and it wasn't, you know, people didn't throw F-bombs around here when I'm counseling them and stuff, hopefully, you know. And so they're, like, doing that. I'm like, wow, you know. And so, you know, eventually you get, you get clout with people, and eventually they know, hey, you know, I'm not doing that around her, you know. But it's, it's a real world out there. And so sometimes you get out there, and I think, gosh, you know, I'm, you know I, I, as I shared before, I started at the bottom when I was at the shelter, you know, but I moved myself, myself up. You know, I thank God for his, his uh, promotion, but at the same time, I got to be willing to say, hey, God, if you want me to move into another situation, then I got to be willing to do that. And so I can't just go on my own gifts and my own think, thinking that, okay, I'm plateaued. You know what? I'm still meet, meeting your people. I'm still working with the poor. If God has something else, we got to go for it. Amen? So verse 21, it says this, and this is when, remember, then they open the book. So they're cleaning the, the temple. They get the book, and then they, they show him the book, and Shaphan starts reading the book to him and starts seeing, oh, my gosh, this is how far we got away from the Lord. And so um, Josiah doesn't know what to do. I mean, he's panicking. That's when he's just like he, he tears his stuff, he tears his clothes, and that's a sign of, you know, I need help. So right away he sends his little officials to go, go find someone. Go find someone that hears from the Lord because we need to know what's happening. And so what happens is all these people, they go to the prophetess. I think her name was Huldah. And so here is someone that just comes on the scene. And sure enough, she says, yeah, that's confirmed. You know, God is, God is angry with the people. They have trespassed. They're doing this and they're doing that. And judgment's coming. And so he said, but, but go back and tell this man of God. Go back and tell Josiah that, you know what, it's not going to happen in his time because of his heart, because he decided to make a shift in his life. And so, you know, the good thing and the interesting thing about Holda is that she just came on the scene that time. You never hear about her after that. And so how about you guys? 
can people come and all of a sudden you just give the word of the Lord to someone and then you never see them again? I believe that I used to talk about the minimum. That's what we're supposed to be ready for. Amen. However, God wants us to use it. We just throw out that word in season to them and boom, it just unlocks them. Amen. I don't know about you, but those things excite me because that's kind of how I want to I want to live for God. I want to live with the fire. I want to know that when they come in my presence that they're like, wow, there's something different about that person. That's kind of what I long for. Those are the things that make me hungry. Because when you're around broken people all the time, I, you know, I'm like the second one in charge. I have a director who's also a Christian. You know what? We don't have the answers. The world does not have the answers. I don't care how many programs that we have. We have a shelter now. We call it the hub because we have a program for people that suffer with um, substance abuse and mental illness. And so that's called our SLO, our hub program. Then we have a recuperative care program. That's for people that are mental, medically fragile. Because when you're out there and you're living on the streets, you might be 30 years old. You might be 60 years old. You look like you're, you might be 30 years old and you look like you're 60. Because the, the streets have just torn them up. And so then they come into our program and they can stay for a little season. Then we have case managers that try to get people housed. And yet, you know what that is. That's kind of like there's no housing around here. Try being a senior citizen that gets $900, and you're going to try to pay rent, $1,500 for just a one-bedroom. And so unless they get Section 8, unless they get some kind of assistance, they're not going to make it. And so these are the kind of people, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I mean, I've had to practice to pray before I go to, to, before I go to work because I don't have the answers for these people. And yet I get to go home because I live right around the corner. And I get to go home to my comfortable bed. And I get to drive in my car. And I get to see that. And I see that five days a week. And I think, God, we need your help. And yet sometimes the officials are so full of pride <laughs> that it's kind of they don't want to turn to God. And yet I know that God is the answer. God is the answer to everything. Even in, in our family, sometimes they see my family doing things that they're not supposed to. And yet, you know, when I know God's the answer, and it's like, how many people, how many deaths do we have to take before we say, oh, you know what? I need to start serving the Lord. God is the only thing that, our only solution, amen? And he needs you. Yeah, I was in the military for six years, so this is kind of your recruit. This is kind of your, <laughs> this is kind of your boot camp this morning. We need you. If you're here and you're born again and you know the Lord, there's a plan for your life, and we need you. We need you to enter into the kingdom of God. We need you to get about the Father's business. We need God to start putting dreams in your heart. And if he has dreams that you've buried, we need to start uncovering those dreams again. Amen? So I need some, I need some people. There's four things. Maybe you need to check yourself. Maybe you're like that rich ruler. I don't even know if I shared the story, but the rich ruler. Remember, he said, oh, I did all the commandments. I've done this and I've done that. And God wanted to take the rich ruler to a next level. And the rich ruler just turned away because he didn't want to give up his riches. And God did, God's not against rich people. It wasn't about that. He wanted to take the rich person to a next level. And the young kid refused to give up his riches. So maybe that's you. Maybe there's some things that you just don't want to give up, but now you want to give them up. I want you to come up because I want some people to come up that are, Jeff's got some people. I know I have Pastor Blinda and Catherine and my sister and brother-in-law, but there's others that could pray prophetically for you. Because I believe God wants to uncover some things in our heart today. He wants us to move. I'm not mad, you guys. And believe me, I'm not tooting my own horn. But there's, we need an army of people. 
We don't need just a few people. We need some people to come up. We need some people to say, you know what, God, use me however you want to use me. Amen? So if that's you today, you think, you know, there's some things I might need to give, to give up. I want you to come up here. And then there might be some things that you just got to check yourself. You just need to make some adjustments. It's not a big deal. You just need to make some adjustments. And maybe that's you. Or maybe there's some things that, you know, you have this dream in your heart, but yet you just feel like, hey, you know what, just things keep hitting me and hitting me, and I just, I don't have the strength to keep doing it, to hold on to it. I know some of you guys, and I know some of you have had dreams. And it's time to uncover those dreams. And I know some of you senior citizens do not, do not go into retirement. It's not time to go into retirement. We need some prayer, warriors. You can still pray, right? I remember Patsy Caminiti, one of the teachers from Rama, her grandma said, oh, I can't do anything anymore. She's like, well, grandma, you can sit in your chair, right? Yeah. (laughs) You can rock, right? Yeah. Well, you can pray then. And so the grandma, she was 80-something years old. You can still do something. Amen? Amen. 